scripture reading today comes from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. We're going to wrap up our study in the book of James this morning. James writes in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, as James concludes his letter, he tells us how we should face four situations that we will probably all face. And the four situations are suffering, success, sickness, and sin. And so let's look at the first situation James addresses. He asks a question. He says, is anyone among you suffering? And the word suffering here refers to any kind of trouble or hardship. So I wonder even this morning, think about yourself. You know, are you suffering? Are you going through a difficult time? Things challenging at the moment? Are you going through some type of affliction, difficulty? If so, James says you should pray. You should take your situation to the Lord and ask Him to help you. Now, this may not come as a surprise to you because most of us, that's probably when we pray. You know, the stresses of uh, suffering squeeze us and that prompts us usually to pray. Usually we do call out to the Lord in our difficulty, but it's possible Uh, that you maybe have gone through a difficult time and it has drawn you away from the Lord. And James says, uh, you need to call out to the Lord. Maybe you find yourself calling out to everyone else or maybe other things, but perhaps you need to be reminded to call upon the Lord and ask Him to give you strength in your suffering. Isaiah 40, 28-31 says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall not walk and not faint. I wonder this morning, do you feel like you're about to faint? You know, you're about to pass out, exhausted, are you growing weary? James says, you need to pray. You need to ask God to help you, the one who does not faint and does not grow weary, to help you. The second situation James addresses is success. Now, you know, the Christian life, we have our ups and our downs, don't we? I mean, it's not all suffering. 
Sometimes we experience great happiness uh, and blessing and things are going well. We enter in those times as well. And so James says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. You know, and praise is a form of prayer. Praise is when prayer becomes thankful. Right? So you're praying, and when you begin to give thanks, you begin to praise. So praise is a form of prayer. Praise is when prayer becomes thankful. So we thank God for who He is. We thank God for what He's done. Uh, Earlier in this letter, James says, all good things come from God. And so the more we recognize that and believe that and experience that, the more we will be filled with praise. We will give praise to God. Psalm 34.1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So you kind of catch it on to the, the gist of this passage of Scripture. As James ends his letter, his focus is on prayer. And basically he's telling us, any time is the right time to pray. Any time is the right time to go to God in prayer. John Calvin says it this way. He says, there is no time in which God does not invite us to Himself. For afflictions ought to stimulate us to pray. Prosperity supplies us with an occasion to praise God. And so are you acknowledging God with praise? Are you recognizing the blessings in your life and giving God praise? You know, even when we're suffering and things get dark... And we are, we're stressed. Uh, difficulties come. For the Christian, there's always a reason to be thankful. Even though things may be very difficult for us, we can always look back to the cross and recognize that God loved us so much that He gave His Son. And that should prompt praise for that. at least that, right? Even though our situations may not be going well, we may be suffering in some way, We should always have some reason to praise. And so James wants us to persist in prayer. Take our request to Him if we're going through a difficult time. But also to praise God for those successes, for those blessings. You know, the stories told about um, Christians in Africa. You have these these different tribes in, I guess, more rural parts of Africa. And... um, each tribe, as a Christian, as a person would come to Christ, they would set up their own uh, place of prayer, you know, in the jungle outside their village. And so what they would do is they would clear a path from their village to their place of prayer. And so they would go frequently to this place and they would um, spend time in prayer. And so whenever uh, the Christian was neglecting his prayer life, all that, all that was needed to bring his attention to that fact was the simple statement, is there grass on your prayer trail? You know, haven't been traveled down. I haven't traveled down that path much. And so for us, you know, how about us? You know, how about you? Is there grass on your prayer trail? Is there grass on your prayer and praise trail? I mean, maybe you've gone down many trails, but are you going down the trail of prayer? Are you spending time asking God for help, seeking His face, praising Him? For what he's done for you. Any time is the right time to go to God in prayer. Third situation James addresses is sickness. Verse 14 and 15. He says, Is anyone among you sick? 
Now the word sick means without strength. And it refers to all kinds of different illnesses and disabilities. One scholar says that the Greek word suggests that it is a sickness which incapacitates a person for work. In other words, James is most likely referring to a serious illness. He's not talking about a stuffy nose here. You know, if you have a stuffy nose at home, uh, he's, he's talking about something a little bit more severe than that. So if you find yourself dealing with a sickness, an illness that is incapacitating, what should you do? Well, based on what James has said for us so far, you would expect James to say, well, here's what you need to do. Pray. But he doesn't say that, does he? Now, I don't think he'd be opposed to us praying. I think we should pray. Um, You know, we're told that in everything we should pray. And and I think that's appropriate. But he tells us that we should also do something else. Look at verse 14. He says, Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. So first of all, notice that he says that you should call the elders of the church. Now, the elders of the church, that is the pastor or pastors of the church. So in our church, for example, I am the elder or the pastor, but our deacons in our church function as elders. So if you want to think about the elders of the Hill Baptist Church, you would think about our deacons and myself, the pastoral staff, the deacon body. We would be considered the elders of the church. And so he says, let him call for the elders of the church. Now, notice he doesn't say that you should call for the priest. He doesn't say call the apostles. He doesn't say call the person with the gift of healing. Not that that would be a bad thing, but he says call for the elders, the pastors, because he's writing to churches. And he's saying each church, if you're a member of a local church, you need to call for your pastor. You need to call for the elders, the pastors of your church to come and pray and anoint you with oil. Now, if you come from a, a Roman Catholic background, you may know that Uh, This is the text where the practice of extreme unction is said to have originated. Some of you may be familiar with that practice. Uh, Extreme unction is when a priest is called to the bedside of a dying church member. Then the priest then takes consecrated oil and anoints the body and prays in order to prepare the church member for the life to come. Because the church member is close to death. So it's a practice that is used... On one's deathbed. However, when you read this passage, I want you to just look at it with me. When you read the passage, what does James say is the intended result of the anointing and prayer? Well, the intention is not death, but healing, right? I mean, James is saying that the whole intention behind this, the, the intent is to heal, to not prepare you for the life to come, but to prepare you for the life that is. And so he says the intention is to prepare you for this life now. And so if you're sick, you should call for the elders. So notice that if you are sick, you have a responsibility. And your responsibility is to call for the pastor or pastors and have him or them come. In other words, you have to want that to happen. You have to want prayer. Uh, And I've experienced that. You know, some of you have called asking for prayer. Uh, Some don't. But in this passage, James says the one who is sick should seek out uh, the elders of the church to come and pray. 
And second, notice what the pastor should do or the elders should do. First of all, he anoints the sick person with oil. Now, oil is used in Scripture in many ways. And there are two main thoughts as to how James is saying that oil should be used in this instance. One can represent a a medicinal purpose. You know, oil can be very medicinal. Uh, And the other could be used as a symbol representing divine healing. Okay, so... You have two kind of thoughts on what James is meaning here when he says anoint with oil. What's the purpose of the oil? Is it medicinal? Is it a symbol? Uh, and I, you know, I've been studying this passage. I've been reading you know, interpretations given by many scholars. I've listened to many well-respected uh, pastors and preachers. And I can see the validity in both sides. I mean, I can see how you can come to both positions there. How you could say, you know, oil is meant to be kind of a, the, the first century version of medicine. Uh, and I can also see how you could say oil could be a symbol of divine healing. Uh, for example, in Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, the Good Samaritan treats the man who is beaten. So he comes across this man who is beaten and wounded. And it says that the uh, Good Samaritan treats the, the wounded man by pouring oil and wine on his wounds. And so we have examples of that in Scripture. And then in James says in verse 15, though, he says, you know, the pastors, uh, they, they anoint the person with oil. They pray over this person. And then he says in verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. So the emphasis there is on the fact that the Lord will heal through prayer. And so perhaps oil is a tangible symbol of the supernatural healing that God may provide through prayer. And so you can see how both. Uh, positions could be held to. And so the question is, which is it? Right? Which one is it? Tell me. Tell me, Ron. Which one, which one should I hold to? Or which one do you think it is? And here's the thing. It, here's where I'm at with this. I think it's both. Uh, I don't think you have to choose one or the other. I believe with James, James chapter 1, all good things come from God. He's the one who restores. He's the one who renews. He's the one who heals. And so healing comes from God. As one person said, when the aspirin works, it is the Lord who has made it work. And when the surgeon sets the broken bone and the bone knits, it is the Lord who has made it knit. And as one scholar says, on no occasion should a, this is, but in light of that, on no occasion should a Christian approach the doctor without also approaching God. So obviously, I'm a big fan of medicine. I think it's a wonderful uh, tool. But ultimately, all good things come from God, including the healing of the body. And so, isn't the point of the whole passage, though, that we should always go to God in prayer, no matter what we're facing, right? Suffering, success, sickness. So if you're sick, you should call your pastor and your deacons and have them come anoint you with oil, and pray for you. You know, we experienced this uh, several years ago in our family. Um, We were facing a medical situation that the doctors discovered. And so we prayed for healing as a family. But we also asked the pastors of our church to pray. And so we went and we met with the pastors of our church. And uh, they anointed with oil and prayed that God would bring healing. And then we scheduled a doctor's appointment. And we used those tools available to us as well and pursued medical help while all the while trusting the Lord 
for healing. So if I was very sick, if I found myself incapacitated, very sick, this is what I would do. If I was able, I would go to the Lord in prayer myself. And then I would also contact the deacons of this church that function as elders. And I would ask them to come, anoint me with oil and pray. And then I would schedule a doctor's appointment. And if I experienced healing, what would I do? Exactly. I give glory to God. He's the one who heals. He's the one who restores. All good things come from God. I want to say one more thing about this section of the passage. In verse 15, James says, And the prayer of faith will... Now listen to what he says. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Now this verse seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Uh, he's saying that you know, the elders will come, anoint the sick person with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will save or heal him and raise him up. And at the same time, we all know godly people who were sick. And we prayed over them. And they died. And so James could be saying that you know, if you just follow this order of things, then healing will always come. And some people believe that. Um, some believe that this type of healing that he's referring to is only present in the first century church. And it's no longer in play these days. That's another position. Uh, still others believe that you should take this verse and interpret it in light of the whole New Testament. And, and this is the view I hold. You know, the, Jesus makes some similar statements about prayer if you've read the Gospels. Now, here's one of them. John 16, 23. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask. And you're like, really? Whatever? <laughs> you start making your list, right? Well, I think when you read statements like that and you read James's statement, I believe Jesus and James assumed that their statements would be understood in the context of the will of God. Right? And so even in, you know, the Apostle John tells us in John, 1 John 5, 13 through 15, listen to what John tells us. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. According to His will, we're seeking the will of God. So does God heal? Yes. Does God use medicine and medical procedures? Yes. Can God heal simply through prayer alone? Yes. Does God always heal? No. What should you do if you're sick? Call the elders. Have them come anoint you and pray for you. And then seek out medical help or whatever tools that you may have at your disposal to seek healing. So, so far, James has told us what we should do if we're suffering, experiencing success, or if we find ourselves very sick. We should go to God in prayer. We could take it to the Lord. Lastly, he tells us what we should do with sin. First, 
what should we do with our known sin that may be tied to our sickness? Look with me at verses 16 through 18. He says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So listen to me. All sickness is a result of sin. But your sickness may not be a result of your personal sin. We live in a world that is broken and under the curse of God because of sin. Therefore, things are breaking down. And things are not the way they should be. And this means that there's not necessarily a direct line of cause and effect to what you're experiencing in your sin. In other words, you can't tie, okay, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. That means I must have sinned and brought this on myself. Not necessarily. I don't think you can draw that line necessarily. However, perhaps you were diagnosed with cancer and you can draw a line to something you did to bring that on. That's possible. But it's not always the case. But if you can draw a line, if there is known sin in your life, then what James is saying, you need to confess that to the Lord. And the idea here is that if you are living in sin, you are going against the grain of God's design for how He made you. Do you see that? When you sin against God, you're going against the grain. And God doesn't bless disobedience. And so there are consequences when you step out of His plan and His design and you start doing things that you weren't created to do. There's a breakdown there. And so sometimes our physical ailments are tied to our sin. Not always, but sometimes they are. And James says, you need to confess known sin. Especially that those sins in your life that you are tied to the illness you are experiencing if you are aware of that if that is the case so going against God uh, affects the whole person you see that you can't separate the physical over here and the spiritual over here we're all one and anything we do affects us the whole of us so our, our decisions who we worship how we worship what we do it affects the whole person Not just your soul, not just your body, but all of us. And so there can be a a connection between our sin and our illness. And if that is so, then you need to confess your sin and experience the healing that that brings. Also notice who we are to confess our sins to. And I think this is important. Notice that James doesn't say that we should confess our sins to a priest or just to me as your pastor. Who does he say you should confess your sins to? One another. One another. Yeah, we're a family. We're, the body of Christ is a family. The local church is a family. And we should confess our sins to one another. And here's a good rule of thumb regarding confession. 
Don't confess your sin beyond the circle of that sin's influence. So if I sin against you individually, then I need to confess my sin to you. I don't necessarily need to post it on Facebook or you know, get in front of everybody and talk about it. Uh, but if I sin against the whole, if it's a public sin, then I need to confess publicly. And I think that's a good rule of thumb regarding confession. Confess your sins to those who have been affected by your choices. And James says this aids in the healing process. Second, what should we do with the known sin of others? So we become aware of our own sin and what it's doing in our own life. But what about the sin of other people, our brothers and sisters in Christ? So what happens when we become, we become aware of each other's sin? What should we do about that? Well, this is what he says in verses 19 and 20. He says, My brothers... If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So when we see someone that we have a relationship with, you know, the context here is in a local church. So those of us who are part of the Hill Baptist Church, members of this church, if we see one another wandering from the truth, falling into sin... We are to try to bring them back, it says. And by doing that, that brings restoration and help. As we seek to get them back on track. Now, uh, the, uh, the late professor Howard Hendricks, some of you are familiar with Howard Hendricks of Dallas Seminary, tells a story of a young man who, after straying far from the Lord, was finally brought back by the help of a friend who loved him unconditionally. And when he was fully restored, Dr. Hendricks asked him what it felt like when he was straying far from God. And this is what he said. The man answered, it seemed like I was being pulled farther and farther out to sea into deep water. And all my friends were standing on the shoreline hurling accusations at me about justice, condemnation, and sin. Then he added, but there was one Christian brother who actually swam out to get me, and he wouldn't let me go. I fought him, but he withstood my fighting. He grasped me, he grasped me, put a life jacket around me, and managed to pull me to shore. And by the grace of God, he was the single reason I was restored. The man refused to let me go. You know, I think we need more swimmers, don't you? We need more swimmers. And we need to help each other get back on track and stay on track. And as James concludes this wonderful letter, he tells us, go to God in prayer. We need the Lord. We need to go to Him in prayer, no matter what our circumstance. Any time is the right time to go to God. In suffering, success, sickness, and sin... We need to go to God, not only for us individually, but also for each other as well. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful practical letter based on the gospel. We just ask, Lord, wherever we are today, uh, there are people in this room we know that are suffering. There are people in this room that are cheerful and experiencing success and blessing. There are people in this room that are sick. 
And there may be people in this room that are becoming aware, aware of their own sin. And there may be some in this room that are becoming aware of, of sin in their brother and sister. Lord, help us to follow this prescription in this passage that we should go to you in prayer. We should sing your praises. We should call the elders. We should seek to bring one another back and get back on track with you. Well, thank you for the family of God. Thank you for the the local church, Lord, and how you're using it in the lives of people to, to draw them into a walk with you, a deeper walk with you, bring them back to you, bring about healing. Lord, you're using it in so many ways. Lord, help us to be a force for good in this community. And Lord, help us to be a blessing to those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.